Good morning. Isn't it wonderful outside? I love the dingy, gray, wet, rainy chill. This morning I was uh, in my office. I'm in my office at zero dark except for the summertime when zero dark is like 3 a.m. and then it starts getting light already, which I kind of love. But it was uh, like quarter to seven. And I'm looking out my window and I'm like, what the heck? It's still nighttime. What is going on? But hey, we only got through, what, three, four and a half, five months, you know, and then we can look forward to some light again. Get that vitamin D, right? Start taking the vitamin D to convert your ergocalciferol to ergosterol, vitamin D conversion by the sun. Never mind. Okay. Anyway. Uh, good morning. I'm Pastor Bill Cripe. You are not. Just want to let you know. Let me ask you, I want to see a show of hands on this if you don't mind. How many of you in here have never been, because you haven't been around long enough or whatever, but you've never, you were never to the Christmas Eve at the Opera House with our church when we did it? We did it from about 1993 to 2000. Let me see him high. Okay. All right. Well, I've got good news for you. We are returning this year to the Opera House. That's right. I'm kind of psyched about it. It's going to be throwback. Um, To do that accurately, of course, it's been about, what, 15 years since we were last there. So I'm going to be going getting a facial, maybe some tucks here and there. Some IGT, was it IGT, Howie Carr talks about, the graphs, you know, for the hair and all that stuff. If we're doing a real throwback, right? No, you got to take it as it comes. Um, but I haven't been to the to the opera house since it's been remodeled. And if I'm not mistaken, they lost 50 seats in the renewal, the the remodeling, and all that. I'm not positive about that, but I think that's what I remember. Um, which means uh, the old capacity was 900 seats. Which means the new capacity, if I'm right, is 850 seats. And again, this is this is hopefully you know a good outreach to the community, um, and if even our normal numbers for Christmas Eve attendance from this church show up at the Opera House, uh, we're talking only about uh, 200 maybe seats open to the community, and we're only going to do one service uh, for a lot of reasons that the Opera House has put upon us. Um, so anyway, and it will be at 4 o'clock, which is earlier, I think, than we have done in past years. I'm not sure. But one service, Christmas Eve, at the Opera House, 4 o'clock, and no service Sunday morning, because Christmas Eve is on Saturday night. Oh. See, the last time this happened, I believe what we did was one service Christmas morning, when Christmas Eve was on a Saturday night, one one service Christmas morning at like a 10 o'clock time or what have you. Um, but because of working at the Opera House and having to move equipment and all of that, I would like everybody involved in that to enjoy Christmas morning with their families. And I'm sure you agree. Yes, thank you. So, 4 o'clock Christmas Eve, we will see you at the Opera House. We're pretty, pretty excited about it. All right, let's see what else we got here. Um. Being the trendsetters that we are here at Faith, uh, somebody reminded me 
um, several weeks ago about the International Day of Prayer uh, for the Persecuted Church. And uh, that's something that I follow. I even mentioned uh, ICommitToPray.com last week, uh, which is part of Voice of the Martyrs, which is one of the big sponsors for the uh, IDOP. And so when somebody reminded me about it, I was like, oh, man, that's right. I'm so, you know, okay, good. So I called Voice of the Martyrs. I had expedited materials out to us to use for International Day of Prayer for this morning and yesterday. (laughs) It's not till November 6th. (laughs) But, sorry, things are too far down the pike, so we're just going to be the international leaders of International Day of Prayer, right? That's right, and I'm sure the world will know about it. So anyway, that's where we're doing that today, if you happen to wonder, a couple of weeks from now, if we're going to be observing it. Yes, we are, just in hindsight. All right. (sighs) Finally, um, this is an unusual service today. Well, it's always an unusual service here at Faith in one way or another. Um, this This is going to be all about the International Day of Prayer for the Persecuted Church. We have several people involved. I'm going to have some information about countries and persecution around the globe. And uh, so we hope that it's uh, really beneficial. My initial plan was to do it on a Sunday evening. And then I thought, you know what? Um, No. This is, you know, we have brothers and sisters in the Lord who are truly suffering, truly being tortured, have been incarcerated for years, are in hard labor camps for nothing more than believing in Jesus Christ and trying to tell people about him or for being caught with a Bible. And you know what? We can take time out of our normal Sunday service as the body of Christ to remember them and lift them up to the Lord in a special concentrated way. And I know, again, that you are fully behind that. Amen? Amen. So let me mosey on over here, and I'll take us into the presence of the Lord with prayer. We have two of our faithers who are just right on heaven's door, so to speak. Um, Kathleen Heald. I mentioned the last several weeks, and Karen Cucci, who I've met, uh, mentioned the last several weeks. And so we just want to uh, bring them and all their loved ones up to the Lord before we come into his presence in worship. Father, we lift up to you today, Lord, our two beloved families from faith here, Kathleen and Karen, and we just ask, O Father, that you would continue to pour your grace out as you have done upon them, upon the families, upon all who know them. And what is just so exciting, Lord, is to be able to witness their faith and their growing faith even in these extreme times and the way you are using them to further the kingdom purposes. And we also lift up to you today, Father, our dear Rebecca and Kenny, and dear Laura and Greg. And again, Father, we don't certainly understand your ways most of the time, but they are good. You are pure and holy, and you know what you're doing even when we don't, even when the medical community doesn't, even when people make mistakes, 
you are never taken by surprise because you are the sovereign, good, loving king of the universe. And so we are here to just to just revel in the glories of what you have revealed to us and for giving us that glorious gift of faith. Lord in heaven, thank you. Thank you for being our God, for being our Savior, and for promising to never leave us nor forsake us. We are before you today as a people of praise. In Jesus' name. Lord God, everything, the things that we understand and the things that we don't, may we give them back to you for your good and for your glory. Amen. Please be seated. All right, as I mentioned earlier, International Day of Prayer. Um, When you came in, you should have been handed a little bookmarker that is a prayer reminder. And uh, you can take that and use it to mark your book or your Bible or what have you. And uh, it's just a good, helpful reminder. I have stuff laying all over my desk um, as reminders because it's just the way life is these days. And it's a good thing I have pictures of people, and then I forget what the pictures are there for and who they are. Uh, So then I write a sticky note, and I put that somewhere, and then I forget where I put the sticky note to remind me of what it was I was supposed to remember about the people I was supposed to be praying for. You know the drill if you're, yeah, 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 yeah. But the doctors say, no, it's just because you have such a superior mind that it's going constantly in so many different directions. No, they don't say that at all. (laughs) They just go, dude, you're getting old. It's part of life. Sounds like, okay, great. Uh, And then we do have, I know you can't see this, but out there on the uh, little, whatever that thing is, a a table, wow. (laughs) Is it still called a table if it's very low to the floor? I mean, I'm low to the floor. You don't call me a table. Ah, see? Okay. The mind is always going. That's why I don't remember the important things. Anyway, all right, so you can grab one of those on your way out there about the Voice of the Martyrs. Uh, of course, there's a lot of groups that are active in the, what are called the persecuted uh, areas of the world and all. Um, but that's what we're focusing on today. Last week, you might remember that I, I read the weekly prayer request that comes out from Voice of the Martyrs about a young lady, 15 years old, a Nepalese Christian, who was being blamed for the fact that her father became ill. She's being, her faith being blamed for the fact that her father was ill and was being uh, shunned and all of that. And lo and behold, the family became followers. But this 15-year-old treks four to five hours a week just to go to church and to be with the body of Christ. This morning I have the, the current uh, one from this week, just from Friday, and I'm going to read that to you. A young Christian woman is receiving medical care for injuries suffered throughout her life because of her Christian faith. When Josephine was five years old, a group of Muslims confronted her family about their Christmas decorations and tried to burn their house down. Josephine sustained severe burns on her chest and stomach, but her family was too poor to get the treatment she needed. Later, as an adult, she was harassed and mistreated by her boss for being the only Christian at a beauty parlor where she worked. In one incident, her boss pushed her into a broom she was using, causing her to lose her right eye. Voice of Martyrs is assisting Josephine with medical care, and she has already had two surgeries. Please pray for her healing and that she will continue to be bold in her faith. 
And the stories that come out of the voice of the martyrs and the things they ask for prayer, I like them again too because they're short and concise. They don't uh, overtask our human soul with, you know, gobs and gobs of prayer requests. And they're quite diverse in uh, the kinds of things that you're praying about. Everything from somebody being uh, imprisoned, somebody going on trial, somebody who's been beaten and needing medical you know, care, somebody who's been beaten to death, uh, or somebody who's just uh, lost their employment in a country like Vietnam or something because of their faith. And it just helps us to be much more aware of what it costs to follow Christ in other parts of the world. So again, you're going to be hearing a lot more about that in a few minutes. What I want to say this morning by way of a little bit of introduction again to the whole morning is that the Apostle Paul wrote to the Corinthians in his second letter saying, Though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but are divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. We destroy speculations. Now listen to the wording of this. We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. And we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. If you blow through that, instead of really thinking about what that's saying, it's it's kind of an obtuse verse, a passage. The thought there is like, wait a minute, I've got to back up and read that again. I'm not even quoting. What? Well, when he says that, we walk in the flesh, meaning, okay, every, all of us know that we live in the real world, okay? And we have to deal with the real world. Um, sometimes people can be jerks just because they're jerks. We can be jerks because we are jerks. <laughs> we were born with a jerk nature. And, you know, some of us are in varying places and stages of our walk with Christ and being conformed to Him. And so depending on where we are in that walk, our jerkiness, you know, kind of follows us along. And, and uh, uh, sometimes it creeps up more than uh, others. And all of that. But the fact of the matter is, what we experience every single day at every level, and I'm talking about in our homes, at our workplaces, in our local governments, in our state governments, keep going to the national governments and into the world governments and everything that's going on. Yes, there is what we see in this realm of earthliness, but the fact of the matter is, is that while we walk according to our physical beings and existence here and now, if we are going to war the principalities and powers, if we are going to try to defeat them using fleshly instrumentation, we're not going to get anywhere in any kind of lasting way. So what am I talking about, you know, combating spiritual forces in a fleshly way? Well, For example, because it's right here on our plate and it's coming up very soon, just next month, a few weeks away. Okay. Yes, we absolutely, you know my feelings and thoughts about being voting citizens of this country. And it is vitally important that we exercise that earthy, that fleshly kind of prerogative that we still have to vote and hopefully vote in people who will uphold the heart and mind of God regardless of where they themselves may be in their personal lives. That's exceedingly important. But as we have seen, if you've been around long enough, We have put people in office who, as Christians, thought was going to be the panacea now, at least for the time that person is in office. Some of you are old enough to remember Jimmy Carter. 
And the big buzz, I mean, Jimmy Carter put the phrase born again on the map, so to speak. Okay? Until that, it was something known within churches, but it wasn't known out there. Well, Jimmy Carter came on the scene, and here he was now, this born-again Christian. And Christians were just, oh, he's born again. It's going to be wonderful. And then then a few years later, you know, we actually had, uh, when I say we, uh, what I would call more conservative, and boy, and even that's, you can throw that out today. Words, you know, become so polluted and misunderstood. But again, we had we had a portion of our government that we would think would represent us better than the other party and we had majorities in both houses in the house and in the senate and we thought whoo this is it yeah yeah and what happened not only did things not get better some things curtailed for a while but the country kept going down and down and down and here we are today that's what I mean. That's what Paul's talking about when we don't war. If, if we're going to war against what is a spiritual battle, purely or solely or even primarily by those fleshly things, forget it. He said, instead, the weapons of our warfare are divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. Now, those fortresses he's talking about are speculations. They are ideologies. They are criticisms about Christ. They are, are, are things that are put out there that are so absolutely godless. You don't need to give me to give you any examples and illustrations of that. But they are so godless that trying to attack them merely through a ballot box is going to do nothing because no matter who the individual is that certain decrees and decisions are, are coming through and laws are being enacted through, the fact of the matter is there is an entire spiritual realm that is over all of that. And so the only way to really attack that with any kind of success is what Paul talks about in Ephesians chapter 6. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. And he goes on there to talk about spiritual warfare and praying on the whole armor of God. The International Day of Prayer is, yes, we need to be mindful of, and, and, and Barb and I help sporadically here and there when we're really moved. Uh, various organizations are doing things out there beyond what we you know, tithe to the church and everything else where people are being persecuted and persecuted people groups and, and all of that. We do all of that, even our own government. But the fact of the matter is, is until and unless we pray in the power of the Holy Spirit against those ruling authorities, at best... We're only going to have a few stops, speed bumps in the road to slow down the progress of evil and wickedness, which, again, we are living out day by day. All right, that song, Lay Me Down, (laughs) My Life Is Not My Own, that's a reality for a lot of people around the world that we do not yet know. I said do not yet know. Let's check it out. There is no other name. And one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. Some will be under the force of God's wrath. Our goal, our mission, and our purpose is to get people ready to bow now of their own accord. Have a seat. 
Let me get you to put up the uh, first map there. The persecuted uh, regions. All right, what this is is obviously a partial globe. Okay. The red colors are the most uh, hostily uh, persecuted nations, places in the world, although one is invisible because it's so small. Right down here off the uh, coast of India are the Maldive Islands, and they are among the top 20 in one of the most hostily persecuted areas. The percent of Christians in the Maldives listed according to VOM is 0.0. The rest of these, North Korea. So little is known really about North Korea because it is such a closed and hostile country, not just to Christians, but to outsiders outside of that nation. It is one, as I said, the most hostily, uh, um, that, that just may be the very worst that there is um, on the planet. Christians being found with a Bible are sent to labor camps. If you've ever seen uh, a movie where there are the uh, you know, movies which, that depict the gulag, the Soviet uh, work camps, and that sort of thing, live and well in Korea. And that's if they're lucky to go to a work camp, if you want to call that lucky. The others are beaten, tortured, and killed. This whole conglomeration here is just, there's too many to count. This is the Middle East, Afghanistan, Pakistan, Iran, uh, Iraq, Syria, uh, some of the stands uh, and the like. Um, this little peninsula down here is Somalia. And over here, right, it's very small. You can't really see it delineated, but right about here is Eritrea. And then this whole area here is Syria. The yellower regions, or tan, whatever you want to call that color, um, that is like the second most persecuted. And then uh, hmm. I say, okay, on my map, the colors are clearer. Okay, I was, I was looking there, and I know there's four colors, and so I was confused. Yeah, this is a different color than this. So these are the darker is the uh, third most persecuted, if you will, and then blue are countries where um, there is kind of just routine <laughs> harassment, persecution, and that sort of thing. We're going to have several people coming up, and I'm first going to uh, just bring up right now. Um, and you know what I'll have you do, Laura? I'll have you put the other map up and just leave that up. So let me ask um, Don Cole to come on up. And Don's going to be praying for the Middle East. And then I'll have, uh, and I'll call Pastor Brent up. And then Laura and Tim, I'll ask you guys to come up together. And then Karen and Tim, I'll ask you to come up together. It is on, in thank theory. You. Yes, thank you. Good morning. It's almost a paradox, really, that somebody like me should come up here. Least of all, first, I know so little, I'm not going to say we, I'm going to say I, know so little about persecution. Now, last week, I spoke with a fellow in the industry that I'm employed in, and he's of a, had a Roman background, you know, religiously, and not involved in any way. And how I, when I, I play that scene back to myself about trying to open up a, a meaningful conversation with him about the Lord, and, you know, 
planted some seeds there, but I thought how difficult that was when there was no threat to me, whatever. None at all. And I know this morning I was looking at an organization called Open Door, and they listed the top 50 as they rate them persecuted church, with North Korea being number one and number 50, a place called Omar. And I saw this story about a woman named Deborah. You know, and we have no idea. I have no idea. They walked into her home, shot her husband before her eyes, stole their daughters. Three months later, they came back into that same house that her husband had built and executed her son. And she goes on in her faith, isolated from her Islamic family. I don't have any idea. And God has me or anybody else come up here, and we're going to pray. You know, and I'm glad to do that, but boy, do I feel inadequate. Just this idea that God has to take when we pray to him in his name. The scripture says that the effectual prayer of a righteous man avails much. Our righteousness is of him. So I'm literally standing on holy ground, counting that God would take a prayer that I would offer and make it strong for the tearing down of strongholds. I'm going to pray in particular for the Middle East this morning. Those countries would be Turkey, Israel, Afghanistan, Iran, Iraq, uh, United Arab Emirates, Qatar, uh, Boromain, Omar, I'm sure I left a few out. But I hear, you hear on the news, Christians who are driven from their homes. I know nothing about this kind of thing. And my biggest concerns from day to day is how do I take that tree off the stump in the most efficient way that I can and turn it into something. I'm not uh, bemoaning the fact. But let's take the time. I'll do my best. But again, trusting that God would take a a humble prayer and use it to uh, bring glory to himself and relief to his people. Father, everything I've said, I've said in your presence. And Lord, we pray for your people everywhere. Just uh, We live in, the, in a bubble. I, I said I wasn't going to use we. I live in a bubble. But your people, Lord, who have been counted worthy to suffer for your name, that's who we lift up to you today. Those who are driven from their homes, who having some of them uh, converted to Christianity, and at times a divorce is, ensues and the children are taken from them, Stories that just, uh, Lord, they strain our imagination. We lift these people, Lord, your people for whom your son died, and pray for their relief. Lord, relief from their captors. You said one place in the scripture not to fear those who kill the body and after this have no more that they can do. But fear the one who has after killed the body has authority to cast into hell. Lord, I pray that that fear would belong to us, the rest of the body. And so, Lord, just we would pray for them, for their comfort, for their joy, that their faith would not fail, that where it is pleasing to you, Lord, you would reunite families that have been separated. In particular, Lord, I pray for this one lady, just goes by the name Deborah, I would lift up to you her situation, many others like her. Extend your grace and your mercy, Lord, I pray, and give us a heart to pray.
We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. And I've asked Pastor Brent to pray about Eritrea, that little snippet there over by Syria and uh, uh, east coast of Africa, and Vietnam, uh, which we know for all the wrong reasons, and um, the Maldives, which were the invisible little uh, islands down there off the coast of India. Let's pray. Lord God, I'm, I'm conscious of the fact that um, we need reminders to pray for those that aren't on our regular news cycle. Lord, these countries that Pastor Bill just mentioned are uh, very unfamiliar to most of us, at least currently, Lord, knowing what's going on in those areas. And so if it wasn't for an organization like Voice of the Martyrs, Lord, most of us would have even forgotten there were believers in those areas and and struggling to bring you glory. And so, Lord, that is partly the nature of living in the nation that we do. Lord, but we know that the persecuted pray for other persecuted because they feel the sting and they're aware of it. And so they may not have heard of Waterville, Maine, but believers worldwide who are under much more severe circumstances than we are pray for our boldness and strength as well. So, Lord, we return the favor. We hold them up before you, God, asking them to have the boldness to face whatever comes their way, knowing that uh, it is no great message that they have to preach. It's no great song they have to sing or great amount of money that they can give that will ultimately bring you the most glory. It is dying well in the hands of their Savior even wrestling with all the normal human emotions that come with it, Lord, they will bring glory to you because of where their faith and trust is. God, we pray for all forms of persecution in that area, God, not just for the religious persecution, but the severe amount of trafficking that happens in that area of the world and all the perversion that flocks to that area of the world in order to take advantage of that, Lord, it leads to so many other troubles. And, Lord, I believe that the church has suffered greatly because of that as well. Help us also to be a voice that helps put a stop to that. So, Lord, we just ask for a supernatural grace that we ourselves cannot provide, no check that we send or presence that we offer to them, Lord, uh, comes anywhere close to the comfort and the strength that your spirit gives. So we pray that you deliver it, even as they're halfway around the world from us, knowing that believers are united under your banner, under your truth. In your name we pray. Amen. I'm going to have Tim and Laura Corbett come on up. And um, I've asked Laura to pray about India and for General Tim Corbett to pray for the military chaplains who, if you're out of the loop, um, just from things that are public knowledge and uh, uh, I mean they're not covert, they're not hidden or anything else. You know of the increasing true persecution in the military of military chaplains, Christian chaplains in particular, having the freedom to actually preach what they believe and talk to people about Jesus Christ. That's happening right now in this nation. So General Corbett and Laura. Um, Taken from Voice of the Martyrs website, I'm going to go back to 2014. There was an article they're referencing top leadership in India, their desire to wipe out all Muslims and Christians by the end of that year. 
um, bringing us up closer to date, an article from August 10th of this year, and I'm just going to read that to you. Five Christian families in India were expelled from their village when they refused to help pay for a Hindu festival. The ten adults and three children all belong to a church in a neighboring village. Recently, Hindu extremists and village leaders interrupted a worship meeting and began beating all of the Christians, including a pregnant woman, and two of the men suffered significant internal injuries. Each family was forced to pay $85 in fines before being evicted from their property and kicked out of the village. So we sometimes think as Christians of the persecution from Islam um, here, both Islam and Christianity are both being um, lumped together, being persecuted by Hin- under Hinduism. So let's pray. Dear Father God, we just thank you for the privilege that we have in this safer country at present um, to be able to be here in a place of intercession to pray for these people, these people who, Lord, are living out their faith in ways that um, take them to places where they're losing all earthly things. They're being beaten to death and oftentimes will lose their lives for you. And I just pray that you would give us a passion, Lord, in our hearts to continue to lift them in prayer, um, remembering um, that this could be us too at any time in history. So, Father God, we just we thank you for being you being sovereign and using us um, to intercede for these people. I just pray that you continue to protect them um, with your love. In Jesus' name. Uh, good morning. It's a pleasure to be here. And as Pastor said, uh, he wanted me to uh, spend a few moments talking about um, chaplains and the, the pressure that they're under uh, in the military. Uh, but I would tell you it's also a same pr- and similar pressure that we have on uh, all kinds of uh, leaders throughout the organization. Um, there's a tension that all of us struggle with, chaplains, starting with the chaplains and other senior leaders. Um, is that tension between rendering to Caesar what is Caesar and then preaching the gospel or adhering to what we know is right? Um, and I have to tell you, uh, people have said to me, Tim, how do, you, how do you continue to serve with all of these things coming down? And I could resign, and I would be forgotten in a month. Uh, I would have made my point. Um, but... Uh, I encourage other senior leaders and chaplains primarily to stay in the fight because we have a continuing influence uh, by staying in um, and dealing with that tension of rendering to Caesar what Caesar's and living our faith. Um, We're all very much accustomed to the fact we can turn on the TV and we can see the physical war uh, that's going off uh, every place around the world. but really what we're dealing with here is a spiritual world, uh, war. Uh, it's in the hearts and minds. It's spiritual. It's everywhere. And we have to keep that in mind. And y- you don't fight spiritual wars with physical wars, uh, is what Paul says. Um, and I, I want to get to the point where we're going in the U.S. We are not persecuted, as you saw up there. I mean, we might lose a job. We might be asked to resign or what have you, and that's fine. Um, But I want you to be uh, knowledgeable of what's going on in the U.S., and one of those things is there's a difference, and you'll hear 
people like our president will talk about freedom of worship um, and how we need to have freedom of worship. And most people will say, that's awesome, right? That's what it's all about. It's not what it's about. Freedom of worship is what they do in a lot of Muslim countries, in Morocco, for example. They have freedom of worship. You can come into this building and you can worship Jesus Christ in Morocco. But when you leave the doors, you can't say a word. That's freedom of worship. What we have in the United States is freedom of religion. And so keep those two things very close in mind because what's happening with our chaplains um, is they're being asked to preach a generic God. As Paul in Romans said, that everybody gets that general revelation that there is a God. That's the God that our chaplains are being pressured to, to preach. Uh, and that's not half the story, obviously. And I can tell you this, uh, having been there, having uh, uh, being comforted and consoled and counseled by chaplains for 31 years, uh, before you go out on a mission, uh, in private groups, in small groups, in worship groups that we have uh, all the time, uh, it is Jesus. So uh, we're fighting that fight. There's that tension. Uh, and it's almost uh, when you say it, when a chaplain says a prayer in public, uh, he's not going to reference Jesus Christ. He'll, worship, he'll uh, reference Almighty God. Uh, but privately, the way you stay in the fight, the way you deal with the creative tension is to honestly talk about Jesus Christ, and, and uh, that's what we do. Uh, that's what's happening so far. Uh, so with that, uh, if we could just uh, say a quick prayer for our chaplains. Um, Holy Father, you know the, the war that's going on and the spiritual war that's going on. And, uh, we just ask you to bless uh, chaplains around the world. They are everywhere uh, soldiers are throughout the world. We just ask you to come into their hearts and give them comfort and give them peace and have them uh, reflect the wisdom of your spirit and, and your word that they may be able to deal effectively with the, the tension that they're under to uh, follow policy, at the same time uh, proclaim your true spirit to, to, folk, to people who uh, need to hear you so much. We just ask that their decisions and their willingness to remain in the fight will uh, prolong and extend your glory. In Jesus' name. Let me have a stand. Remember the distinction that General Corbett said, freedom of religion versus freedom of worship. Get your ears attuned to that. You will hear politicians talk about freedom of worship and how they're for freedom of worship, not freedom of religion, freedom of worship. And there's a huge, huge difference. And yes, it's intentional on their part. Father in heaven, we stand before you today as a people of faith with a huge responsibility, not just to ourselves, our families, our loved ones, or even to this nation, but to the world to do what we can. Yes, in the flesh, and yes, through the power of prayer, 
to do what we can to maintain the liberty and the freedom of the freedom of religion for it permeates the rest of the globe. For Christ's sake, we pray, O God, thy will be done with all of the national leaders at every level that you would be merciful and gracious to install against whatever odds people whose hearts and minds reflect things that are pleasing unto you. For we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.